blessed second Sunday of the month of Abib. And today's gospel comes from Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 9. And we see the apostles ask a very interesting question to our Lord Jesus Christ. Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, in the other gospels, we have a different approach to this. It seemed as if the apostles were arguing along the way, and the Lord turns to them and asks them, what were you arguing about? So if we look in the Gospel of Matthew, we can actually figure out what they were arguing about, although the evangelists often tell us they were trying to figure out who was the greatest. So I suppose Matthew is trying to put a nice spin on it and say they were asking a question. But it seems that a few of the apostles were suffering from jealousy. Specifically, they were jealous of Peter. So you go back a few chapters and you look, and you see that when the Lord walked on water, Peter went out and walked with him and met the Lord. We then see another time, although it was a secret, but a secret between him and, um, and James and John, the transfiguration. And then we find the Lord and Peter having a conversation, and Peter confesses that the Lord is Christ, and the Lord says, blessed are you, Jonah, blessed are you, uh, Peter, son of Jonah, and he gives him, essentially, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And then lastly, and immediately right before this, Peter was asked whether his teacher gives gives the tithe or the tax. So he went to the Lord, and the Lord said to go take a fish, and within the fish's mouth would be the money for the offering. Okay. So the, the apostles are looking at this, and they are jealous. They think our Lord Jesus Christ is giving preferential treatment to Peter. Don't we deserve to have a great reputation don't we deserve to receive glory? And specifically, they were seeking out glory of men. I guess what they missed were the parts where our Lord Jesus Christ rebuked Peter, because he did rebuke Peter many times. He openly commended him and openly chastised him, because a loving father chastises his beloved son. But now, what does the Lord do to teach them? Well, I mean, it would have been really obvious for the apostles to look at the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ and learn from him, because they're supposed to be him, be with him for three years. They're supposed to learn from his example. But I guess that wasn't clear enough. I guess it wasn't clear, because many treated him, the Lord Jesus Christ, as a rabbi, as a great teacher. They did not see him as the humble son of God, who took our form and made himself of no reputation. They didn't quite understand it. So our Lord takes a small, young child and puts the child in the midst of them. So our Lord says, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. 
our Lord Jesus Christ calls us to be like little children. Now, we don't get this from our translation, especially since our Bible is translated from the Greek. But in the Aramaic, when the Lord is speaking, the word for child is the same word as slave. Unless you make yourself like a slave. What is slave? No reputation. No freedom. You have nothing. The Lord says, then when you have nothing in this world, then you will find that you will be the greatest in heaven. So then, if we talk about humility, one of the church fathers reads this gospel and he says, well, what does this mean? To be converted like a child. Very simply, to follow your father, to love your mother, do not wish ill upon your neighbor. Do not have concern for wealth. Do not be proud. Do not hate. Do not lie. Believe what is said like a child and hold such as true. This is the passageway into heaven. That's very interesting. The passageway into heaven is humility. And if we think of our Lord Jesus Christ as our access to the Father, our access into heaven, as St. Paul says in the book of Hebrews, we find our Lord Jesus Christ is eternally Son. He is eternally Son of the Eternal Father. So when he presents the child in the midst of his apostles, he's not just saying the child. He's saying, become like me. And if it helps to have this image of a child, then so be it. But we will see as we become more and more like children, we will become like our Lord Jesus Christ. So what does it mean then to be humble? Because I guess I could come up here and speak about humility, or any of us could speak about humility. But we might not be speaking about the same thing. We might think humility is saying, no, I can't do this thing. I can't. No, no, no. It's funny because in our culture, that I think that's become humility. Like I was uh, on a trip with a, with a friend, and we were at a church, and I told my friend, serve in the altar. He said, only if you serve with me. So I said, okay. He went into the altar, and I stayed outside. So he's in the altar, and the deacon inside with him says, tells him, respond to Abuna Shalil, say, epiprosevki satite. And the guy goes, oh, no, no, no. I don't know. I don't. No, 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 no. I can't. The guy's like, no, no, of course you can. Go ahead. So Abuna says Shlil, and the deacon said nothing. So he looks at my friend. He's waiting for him to say the response. He doesn't say that. He's in disbelief. But that's become humility, I suppose, is just saying, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I can't. I can't. But that's not what humility is. Humility is not saying, no, I cannot. We see humility in two ways. We raise up others, and we give glory to God. We raise up others, and we give glory to God. And what we see is, for example, David gave a very excellent example of this. When he went to fight Goliath, I'm not going to let this Philistine insult God. I will go out, and I will defeat him. Not because he's strong. I mean, he writes in Psalm 151, he was small. He was the smallest among his brothers. But he knew 
that God could defeat this person. So he knew that God would give him such strength because this person made himself to be an enemy of God. But I guess that's the thing with humility. And when we talk about humility, it's very difficult because, well, how does one say they are humble while maintaining humility? It's sort of a difficult concept. And I guess in in the desert tradition, there was a person that visited the monastery and one of the abbots, he's speaking about humility and how to be humble. He's giving advice to the monks. So this person says, Father, how can you go and you call yourself a sinner and yet you do all that is commanded of you? You're a very holy man who lives a very holy life. How can you say that you are a sinner? And the abbot says, oh, I, I don't, I can't explain it. I don't understand it. This is how I feel. And he said, no, seriously, you need to be able to explain it to us. And the abbot said, no, I tell you the truth. In fact, you're confusing me. I don't know. So then one of the other monks says, you know, it's kind of like if you're learning medicine or a career or some kind of trade, some kind of thing in academia. You don't really understand it. But as you study it, you study it, you begin to think more like that career. You begin to think more like a physician or more like whatever it is. And eventually you come to a point, they ask you, how did your mind transform to be like this? Oh, I, don't, I don't quite remember. I tried myself to understand this analogy and I thought, oh, this is very similar. Some went to graduate school. Going to law school, for example, the first year is very difficult because you're taught to think more and more like a lawyer. And after a year, it becomes much easier, so the second year they double the work on you because they know now you can do it. But then you ask, yourself, you, you ask that person, how, d- how did you figure out? How did your mind adapt to this? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I observed what others were doing, and I tried my best to follow it, and I found myself with this mind. That's the same thing with humility. So when we look at humility, it's good to look to the desert tradition, to the desert fathers. Why? Because they sought every possible way to practice humility. It began with their garments, the bonnet on their head. Grown men do not wear bonnets. Babies wear bonnets. So for a grown man to wear a bonnet, it is very strange. That is because the monk is to be a child regarding malice. And we too are called to be children regarding malice because you see the small baby, it does not have hate, it does not have negative intentions or feelings towards anyone. That is what we are called to be. Now it's very interesting is humility is important because it helps us to produce fruit. Now, I didn't believe this when I read it. I had to Google search and find. But one of the church fathers says there's many trees that when they point up, they don't produce much fruit. So then you have to, I guess, weigh the tree down. When you bend its branches, it begins to bear more fruit. I said that, is that real? So I Googled it. I guess that's a real thing. And what was interesting is I even found arguments. Some people were saying, well, you know, You can do that when the tree is young, because when the tree is young, it's easy to bend the branch. But when the tree is much older, it is harder to bend the branch. And in fact, it's a lot of work, a lot of work to do it. So I don't know if I can recommend it. 
And I thought, oh, what a perfect example of humility this father found. When we are bent, when we are lowered, it is then that we produce more fruits. But like this person complained, it is difficult when we are older. I find it's much easier to, be, to receive correction when we're younger, much easier for someone to correct us. But when we are older, it becomes much harsher. Why? Because it is harder for the older branch to bend. So I want to meditate just a few quick examples of humility, but we will find that the humble see God. Through humility, we will see God. Now, for example, Moses was called the most humble man, and he was able to see God. He was able to see him as he passed by. And it is those, sorry, it is our Lord Jesus Christ who said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. You were the one who visited me. The Lord presents himself as the lowest among us, the most humble among us. So when we ourselves practice humility and serve those, we deem, oh, maybe this person is lower than me, or maybe this person is needy. No matter what the feeling towards this person, we find the person is Christ. Who can be greater than Christ? We lift this person above us. We do not serve because we are greater. We serve because we are called to serve, because Christ washed the feet of the apostles, and we serve because we have need of service. And in fact, it was St. Peshoy who received Christ, not knowing it was him, washing his feet, and did not discern it was the Lord Jesus Christ until he saw the hole in the foot and realized this. So he goes to the other servant, and he says, come drink this water. And the servant says, no, which I never liked the response, no. But he says, no, to the father. And then later on, he, re he realizes that this water was the water that washed the feet of the Lord. So he goes to drink from the water. The water is gone. The water is gone. Now, we also find that humility grants us victory over the traps of the enemy. So one of the fathers quotes, before anything else, we need humility, being ready to listen whenever a word is said to us and to say, I submit, because through humility, every device of the enemy and every kind of obstacle is destroyed. We find no power greater than humility. Why? Because the Lord is made manifest in our weakness, because when we are decreased, he is made strong. St. Anthony received a vision. He looked in the desert, and he saw many traps of the enemy, and he sighed, and he said, what kind of man can survive with all these obstacles? Because remember, the devil is the obstacle to every good work and every good thing. So the Lord spoke to him and said, they cannot touch you if you have humility, because nothing is more powerful than lowliness. Humility allows us to have victory over the wealth of the world. The monks are told to take their clothing and leave it outside for three days. If no one takes your clothes for three days, it is worth you wearing those clothes. It's a very hard thing. But many of the fathers 
look at these, this sort of attitude towards clothing, it's not the clothing that we should be concerned with. Rather, we should be clothed in grace. We should be clothed in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which comes through obedience, which comes through transformation and love. St. Augustine says, I did not feel that I was above the world until I gave up everything in the world. And King Constantine was speaking with St. Peshoy, and he said, you know, I wish I had the honor of the monks. And St. Peshoy said, what do you mean? You're a king. You defeat heretics. You defeat nations. You rule. You have all the treasures in the kingdom. He said, I would give up all the treasures and become a monk had I known the glory and the honor given to the monks. It is because of humility. Humility grants us victory over status. We find that really clear in the Gospels. When the publican and the Pharisee go to pray, the Pharisee's up front and he says, God, thank you, didn't make me like the publican over there. I'm a great guy. Aren't I awesome? Whereas the publican is beating his, his chest and he says, I am a sinner. Which prayer did the Lord accept? We know it is the prayer of the publican. Those who are naked in virtue seek the praise of men. But when we are clothed with such virtue, all we seek is to please and glorify God. So we're brought to a very interesting character, Abba Arsenios. Abba Arsenios, who is a tutor of the sons of King or of Emperor Theodosius, who decides, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in the palace any longer. I want to go to the desert through the guidance of our Lord. So he goes and eventually he's asked, you know, you studied Greek. You know many letters. You know many things. Yet you are learning from these illiterate Egyptian monks. And he says, those things I've learned from letters, they cannot teach me what these monks have learned through their own labor. Do not let status or education, the puffery that comes with much knowledge, become an obstacle between you and God. In fact, many philosophers, they went to go visit Abba Antony, and they would, for example, they would say, you, you, are, you are not a man of letters, which we don't know if that means he was illiterate or if he just didn't know Greek, but they'd say, you are not a man of letters. And he said, which came first, the mind or the letters? And they said, well, the mind, because then how otherwise would you produce the letters? And he said, exactly. A sound mind can produce letters, but letters cannot produce a sound mind. Now, another time the philosophers came to him, and Abba Antony was confused. Why do you keep coming here? If I am a fool, then why would you visit a fool? And if I am a wise man, then why do you not seek to imitate me? Abba Pachomios practiced great humility. When Abba Athanasios visited the Pachomian community, he went to ordain Abba Pachomios. Abba Pachomios ran away, ran away from status, ran away from the burden of priesthood. And Abba Athanasios said, St. Athanasios says, 
He is seeking the better things. He is seeking the better thing. Now, lastly, we saw in the gospel, the Lord mentioned it is, if we cause any small one to stumble, it's better that a millstone be hung around their neck and they be thrown into the sea. What is he talking about? We are brethren, and we are all children in this church. We're all children. But sometimes I'll argue. I'll cause a dissension. I'll I'll treat someone poorly because I lack humility and I'm proud. And someone else will see that. It's going to cause them to sin. I should be very careful. The way we act around one another in the church, that it does not affect anyone else. The means forgiving one another, the means to the best we can, avoiding disputes, and if there is a contention, dealing with such in humility and dealing with such in so much grace. We see examples of this. Say Moses was asked to go and judge a brother who was sinning. So everyone arrives to go judge the brother, and Abba Moses is very light, but he comes and he's carrying a bag of sand and the sand is trailing behind him. And they say, Abba Moses, why are you carrying a bag of sand that's trailing? He said, well, you asked me to come judge my brother and here I come carrying my sins and look, they're flowing behind me. Abba Makarios was asked to do the same thing. A brother is sinning with a woman. Okay, let me go in first. He goes in and he sees a big pot. So he goes to sit on it. And, he, and everyone comes in, and he says, find the woman. And they look, and they can't find her because they know she's hiding under the pot where Abba Makarios is sitting, but no one's going to tell Abba Makarios to, to stand up. So he rebukes them. Don't look to others. Keep your eyes on yourself. Do not judge. And he sent them all away. But then finally, when everyone left, he raised the pot and brought out the woman, and he said, do not commit such sin. Do not allow the fire of the sin to burn up your soul. So I pray as we continue looking at this gospel and continue our relationships with another and everything else, may we have humility. Let's raise others up. Let's give glory to God. Let us be careful not to have dissensions among one another because that kind of fighting is what allows the devil to defeat us We can't have this because our Lord has given us so much grace, so much power, access to his body and blood. To our Lord Jesus Christ belongs all glory and honor with his good Father and the Holy Spirit. And glory be to God forever. Amen.